Hey, everyone. If your teenagers seem to be having an exceptionally hard time right now, believe us, you're not alone. This stage of the pandemic has been particularly hard for the high schoolers, and we think it all comes back to pandemic flux syndrome. We talked about Amy Cuddy's new term, pandemic flux, last week. It's characterized by blunted affect, spikes of anxiety and depression, as well as the desire to drastically change something about your life. If you want more detail about how it impacts adults, take a listen to last week's episode. This week, we're going to talk about how pandemic flux is impacting teenagers, and believe us, it's been rough. Because of their unique stage of life and developmental tasks, teens are supposed to be learning how to separate from their parents and figure out who they are. That's why they may dress in all black clothes one day and then the next week go to school looking like an athlete. But because of the pandemic, teens lost a year and a half of time developing their independence. So now when things get hard or uncomfortable for them, they question and doubt themselves even more than they usually would, sometimes leading to even more angst or spirals of shame. It breaks our heart. Additionally, the pandemic has made us all want more control in our lives, but teens and parents are already in a natural struggle over control. So those relationships can be exceptionally strained right now, and it isn't anyone's fault. We explain all of this in more depth and maybe with a bit more humor in this episode and give you some messages we would love for you to give the teens. We also give you parents some strategies to get through it all because figuring out how to get through it together is going to build resilience and strength in your whole family. Take a listen and send to a friend if you think it'd help them out and give yourself and your teens a little extra love right now. You deserve it. Welcome to Podcast Therapist, presented by Virginia Family Therapy. I'm Sarah. I'm Caroline. And I'm Amanda. As three family therapists, we know how hard it is to feel like you're being the parent you want to be while juggling everyone's needs. We specialize in helping families just like you during the long days of multitasking and constant searching for the bar of success. Our podcast mixes expertise, real life advice, and embarrassing stories. Whose embarrassing story? (laughs) Yours. (laughs) Let's walk through this together. Welcome to Podcast Therapists. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Caroline. Hey, everyone. Hey. We were going to start this podcast and I was just sitting there. I thought, I don't know what I thought. Welcome to Pandemic Flux. Welcome to (laughs) Pandemic Flux. Now, that was a transition. That was because that is what we are experiencing. And that is what we're talking about, guys. Very exciting. Yes. And this this week, we're going to talk about how it affects our kids, but in particular, our teens, because that We're seeing a lot of stuff going on with our teens right now. And I actually think some of the younger kids are thriving back at school. I don't know that they feel as pandemic fluxy as teens. Like I think my young clients who I see have like loved school. There've been some bumps for sure, but they're like, guys, they're happy. Guys, I've been meaning to tell you this. So I think my kids are doing really well. That's not what I wanted to tell you, but I agree with that. But do you know what I really think part of the shift was for them was I remember when we did that podcast, how to show your kids you're really listening to them. It Mm. brought me, it reoriented me to how I needed to do a little bit of a better job with one of my kiddos. And it has been significantly helpful. Yeah. So I super appreciate it. Really, really appreciate it. And that's not a plug for you guys to listen to this podcast, but it is like maybe four episodes ago, how to show your kids you're really listening because it was helpful for me. So I thank you guys for the help you gave me. 
Oh, that's really great. I'm glad. I yeah. think um, now it's my turn because I have a 17 year old. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. That's a million percent right because the teenagers are experiencing pandemic flux. So let's talk about what pandemic flux is. And I'm going to give you guys a brief definition and then we're going to go back and talk about the signs and symptoms of pandemic flux. So pandemic flux comes from an article released by the Washington Post by Amy Cuddy. It is entitled, Why This Stage of the Pandemic is So Hard. And I agree, Um, personally and clinically, I think we've been seeing that. But what she described pandemic flux as is the emotional whiplash of this stage of the pandemic, including blunted emotions, so not feeling highs and lows, but kind of in that middle place. In addition to blunted emotions, sometimes it spikes in anxiety and depression. So you could be super anxious or not getting out of bed, super depressed. And finally, the desire to drastically change something about your life. So we talked last week about how pandemic flux is impacting us and other adults. And now we are going to talk to you about how we see it impacting the teens, because I think it's pretty significant for them. Yeah. And I also say really quickly, like, I think it's really, I just want to say like, of course, it's affecting our teens. Like that is the next age group behind adulthood. So Mm -hmm. it's a trickle down effect, right? They're the next vulnerable population behind the adults for pandemic flux developmentally. So I feel like they're more vulnerable than adults. Yeah. Okay. I actually, you're right with coping mechanisms not being in place necessarily. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. So, I mean, if, if you are noticing this in your child or your teen, I should say, then it's really okay. It's normal because again, this is healthy response to an unhealthy circumstance. And so we don't want anybody to pathologize this experience, but more just be aware of it and try to help the teen through it. So let's talk about what we see it looking like in teenagers, right? So what does blunted emotion look like in teenagers? It looks like flat affect, like no response to what you're really saying and no real like enthusiasm kind of, it can come out in irritability. Mm-hmm. I see it. If you need a concrete example, I see it and like, I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to study. Mm-hmm. Just sort of that, like, uh, like everything feels hard. And, and not caring about things. So maybe they got, they don't care about anything that they're anticipating. And they also don't care about anything that has actually happened. So maybe they aren't studying for a test or they got a really good grade and they're just kind of like, eh, it is what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not much higher low. Yes. Which is interesting because the next, the other part of pandemic flux are these spikes in anxiety and depression, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking about a kid applying to college, it might be like one day they are totally apathetic to it. Like, eh, I don't care. No big deal. It is what it is, right? And then the next day they are having a spike in anxiety where they're freaking out a million percent and they have to get it all done. And they're like having a panic attack about applying to college. Does that sound right, Sarah? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Last night at 2 a.m. at my house, I had a discussion and I woke up and was like, you need to go to bed. You can't, you have to go to bed. And I got this litany of everything from what is due tomorrow, what is due in the next three or four weeks to I 
am not sure I will make the grades I need to make to go to the colleges I want to go to. And then I'll not be what I want to be. I mean, I was like, oh my God, all I said was go to bed. Like I didn't say, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, and so I was really, really awesome as a parent and super empathic and kind. And <laughs> at 2 a.m. <laughs> at 2 a.m. And I was like, look, go to bed. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was my big clinical intervention. But I mean, honestly, I think, you know, again, it's almost like, you know, exactly what you did say, Caroline. This is an age group that is being hit with this, but needs training wheels on the bike still a little you know, as adults, we're struggling with it and we're leaning in, but our teens are leaning in too. And they just don't have the same life experience that we all have or coping mechanisms in place that we have. And so we really do need to help them. So let's talk about the depression piece and the desire to change something about their lives. Right. So we've talked about blunted affect. We've talked about a spike in anxiety, right. Or maybe it's around a social something that's happening socially. Maybe they're having increased panic attacks because they have to go to a football game for the first time. Or I think we're seeing a lot of like panic texts with the anxiety. Like, I think that's what parents are going to see is like, I agree. I don't like this. I want to come home or like, this is too hard or Mm -hmm. I got a B minus on my test or a D on my test. And like, it's immediate panic symptoms and reaching out for like, I can't do this. I think that's what we're seeing too. I think you're right. I just think that parents are getting it through texts and resistance to doing things that are typically expected of kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to, as parents recognize that when kids start to talk about those things, they're already saying a version of that in their head about themselves. So there's usually a pretty negative narrative that's starting about them. And that's the part that can really do some damage. And that's the part that we have to kind of try to counter. Like even last night at 2am, I did have my wits about me. I'm not a good night person. I'm not a good middle of the night person, but I, I just kind of said, you know, look, I hear all those things you're saying. I don't think we can solve any of that at 2am. And I know it's, you know, I know this is hard. I know this is really stressful and none of this defines who you are as a person. So go to bed. And what we'll do tomorrow, and I will help you if you want me to, but we'll write it all down and we'll put a plan together for the weekend. I got a little pushback at that point, but I mean, that was the it. I mean, and I think it wasn't, I wasn't solving it. I was just validating that it was crazy, but also reminding her that this doesn't define who you are as a person. I think we have to, our teens, you know, we have to remember our teens' worlds are still pretty filled with immediate gratification or immediate thoughts and reflection. And sometimes as parents, we need to kind of help guide that part. Not so much problem solve, but just guide that part. So I'm going to put a pin in that because I have a thought I want to say to defining them as a person. But I also want to go to this piece of desire to drastically changing something in about their lives. So how do we see kids doing that? I will say that I see a lot of kids saying, like, I just want to go back to homeschool. I just want to go back to virtual school, making a big shift in what they're doing, quitting a sport yep. that they've played forever and have loved, maybe more risky behavior. So yep. maybe they're trying drinking for the first time. Maybe they are 
using more drugs because they are doing something to drastically change their life. I, I would say increase in, in using pot as a coping skill for the anxiety. I agree. Yeah. I mean, that might be, I'm sure it's anecdotal at this point. We won't get any research results on that for another year or two, probably. But I definitely feel like I'm seeing that in high school and college age kids. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Also, I will say I've had a lot of folks thinking about their sexuality more Mm -hmm. and either reflecting on their own in therapy or more folks are coming out and identifying as trans or gay or non-binary or their Mm -hmm. gender, their gender identity. Mm -hmm. A lot more of that. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that having time away from peer group, being in a small circle with lots of support and love from their friends. And then on top of that, more access to social media. There's a lot more about it. And, and, and they've just had time to like really reflect and look at things. And I know that's probably for a lot of that, you know, a lot of those kids or a lot of those teens, it's um, somewhat of a relief for a lot of them, but it does create a lot of anxiety in the house for families. Mm-hmm. So that's, I, I think sometimes, even though the kid might feel better, the teen might feel better, the parents might be feeling anxious about some of that. Mm-hmm. When I think of the family, like if we think about a family system in pandemic flux, to me, it feels like it's always going to be a little bit mismatched. Yeah. Right. But like if your kid is super anxious and you're in like a blunted space and you meet their anxiety with like, well, I mean, it just like doesn't matter. Like it's just and that's just like where you are as a parent. Your teen is just going to be way more anxious because they're like, why isn't my parent meeting me and hearing my anxiety? Right. Or your kid is feeling really apathetic and isn't caring. And so as a parent, your anxiety is like shooting through the roof and you're getting more and more anxious because, Hey, my kid isn't, you know, my kid usually really cares about their grades. And like, I don't know what's going on. Something, something's wrong. My kid isn't okay. Right. And so I'm like, I feel like, I don't know. I have this vision of like pandemic flux whack-a-mole of like someone's always (laughs) like something is always happening, but it's like, we're not doing it together. Like everyone has their own little circle that they're in. And so I feel like it would be confusing just for everyone in the family system to be like, what is going on? Right? Like one minute mom doesn't care that I'm not studying. And the next minute she's like, so anxious about me getting into college. And then the same handle, you know, one minute, my kid is like going to school and telling me how fun it is. And then the next day they're like, I don't want to go. I don't want to get out of bed. Why does any of this matter? Look, Caroline, I appreciate the fact that my daughter's close to you, but I really don't appreciate (laughs) you bringing up your text with her in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I agree. I, that is the best description of my household. I think I've heard in a really long time and especially the whack-a-mole piece. I mean, we all have things going on. And what happens is your teen gets older is you have this kind of quasi adult that joins you in a sense, truthfully. And so, so you kind of, sometimes they're this young adult and you're hanging out and it's awesome. You're like, wow, this is great. And then sometimes they're this four-year-old again. And you're like, what the hell? Clean your room. So I think there's that piece too. Well, and I think developmentally, it makes sense that this is 
hell y'all because a teenager's job is to separate from their kid and a teenager at a normal time is going to look like a four-year-old one day and then act like a 24-year-old the next day that is genuinely the job of a teenager the job of a teenager is also to assert more control in their lives and adults are supposed to let it go right but we just talked about last week that one of the things that we see in pandemic flux is the desire to control whatever we can control. And believe me, if I'm feeling anxious about something, I want to control my children. Thank goodness they're not teenagers. Thank goodness. Because if a parent comes in wanting to control their teenager right now, that's going to be like the strongest FU you've ever gotten. And like, is that what oh you guys God. are seeing? It's yeah, like that's absolute the huge outburst. Yeah, it's ragers. Yeah. I'm sorry, did you say seeing or living? I think you mean living <laughs> for me. <laughs> and shout out to all the moms out there going through menopause while they have teenagers in their house going through this pandemic flux, by the way, because that's the <laughs> other icing on the cake. Let me just say, sorry. It we'll is. do another podcast on that. But it's whack-a-mole. I think that's like such a good description mm-hmm. of it, Caroline. Well, and I just think that I'm jumping ahead into the, what is it? The affect forecasting error. Oh yeah. I love that. That's like my new favorite thing. Go ahead. Yeah. Because I also just think there were some kids that were so excited and the first few weeks of school were like the honeymoon. And I think like families were probably in a good place. Right. And then it's like school got real. Things got really hard for teens. And then it's like this huge shift for the whole family because like things were okay you know, there might've been tons of anxiety about going back to school. And then maybe once some kids got there, they were like, Oh, it's actually okay. Right. Like I have some friends I can guys, you know what I hear about all the time in our public schools, they all have like a terrifying stairwell that like bottlenecks all of the local ones. And it's like, what I hear about is like the stairwell. (laughs) It's usually right by the cafeteria. It's a thing. Kids talk about it a lot, but I'm like, so they like overcome the initial transition anxiety mm-hmm. and then they hit a rhythm for like two weeks and they were okay. And then I feel like either academically things got really hard or they're socially anxious and they're like, I can't sustain this level of social interaction and kids are melting down like teenagers, high schoolers, because they're like, this just is so uncomfortable. So I liked what you were saying, Sarah, earlier about this stress, this increased stress in defining who they are. A teenager's job is also to define who they are. That is mm-hmm. actually what they are tasked with doing at this stage yep. of life. And so if you're putting them into these situations that are harder, and we can get into why this is harder again in one second, but it's going to be really easy for them to say, this must be who I am. I must not be cut out mm-hmm. for high school. I must not be cut yep. out for this this social group. I must not be cut out for this sport that I'm playing, or I must not really be an actress. This is my issue. And they think they've really lost a skill, right? Like they think like I was good at school and now I'm just not, I just lost it. Or like I, what I did have a friend group and now it's just like, I don't know how to do it. Right. It's that like concrete and black and white. Like I either have it or I don't. 
And so they're mm-hmm. like, who am I? Who am I really? Cause they don't have what adults have. Like if I'm feeling stressed about something, I am like, I am rooted to the fact that I'm a psychologist. Any life change I make is not going to change the fact that I'm a psychologist, a mom, a wife, a friend, all Mm -hmm. of these identity markers that I hold Mm -hmm. close to my heart. Teenagers don't have that sense of self in the same way that we do as adults. And so when they are faced with any of the normal feelings associated with pandemic flux, they are questioning who they are. And that is really, really hard. Yeah. But guys, if you're a teenager, it's not about you. I'm going to say this with so much love, but like those feelings that you're experiencing right now, that's not who you are. You're, you're not doing the wrong thing unless you're like out there using way too many drugs. And if you are, just give us a call and we'll help you with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but those moments of like self-doubt about who you are, they're, they're not who you are. You're not doing the wrong thing if you think that you are. Well, and like having that self-doubt is being a teenager. Yes. Right. Like none of us get through our teenage years without having those crises of like, who am I? Why am I doing this? Why does this matter? What's important to me? Like, can I be friends with this person if they said this thing? That's all normal and it's uncomfortable and it doesn't feel good. And it's like part of growing up. It a million percent is part of growing up and it breaks my heart that the teenagers would think that this is about them. And I'm willing to bet that if your teenager is having a hard time right now, it's, it's more than likely because they are experiencing so much self-doubt and shame and guilt, because I can't imagine that many folks are able to get through this stage without that. I was saying last week as an adult therapist who I think is pretty like in touch with my emotions, how confused I was by my emotional reactions and my own anxiety. And so putting myself in a teenager's shoes, it would be so scary. Like, yeah, to not understand, like, why do I feel okay one day and then totally not okay the next? Well, and go back to the affective, you know, the affect forecasting in the sense that, you know, they sat at home separated from all their friends for the last year being so excited about going back to school in some ways, even if they weren't excited about academics, they're excited about social piece of that. And they've gone back to school and it may not be what they thought it was going to be, or it may uh, certain days may just fall short of their expectations or maybe something awesome happens and they just don't feel it. And then they're like, what's wrong with me. Right. Because let's face it. I mean, I live with a teenager they are pretty self-centered. That's what this stage is all about. And, and so you're not all raising narcissists. Let me also say that out loud as a, <laughs> as a disclaimer. It does feel like that. Like sometimes my partner looks at me and is like sociopath. And I'm like, no teenager, it's okay. But I think, um, I think we need to like realize that, you know, for them, you know, we kind of, we can't just jump in and tell them this. We can't just lecture this to them. You know, that, that's not how teens are, or that's not how they work. Um, that'd be like trying to pet, you know, hug a feral cat or something, I think. But I think look for your, <laughs> look for your openings. I, li- I clearly live with one right now, but look for your openings, right? Like if there's an opening or if there's just even a crack to say, like, look, this is what this is called. It's called pandemic flux. We're all feeling it. This is really normal. If you're feeling any of this, it's really normal and it's really okay. And like, we can talk about it if you want to. We don't have to talk about it. I just want you to know it's not you. 
Mm-hmm. Caroline, can you talk about that um, weight metaphor? Because guys, we we did try to do yeah. this podcast one minute ago, and we made so many mistakes we had to restart. <laughs> but this was this was the highlight from the first time we did this. We are on take eighty four of this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> and we're still unshowered. We're doing really well. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. It is a good day. No, but okay. So something that I, so I actually stole the beginning of this metaphor from Amanda analogy. I don't know what it is, but I talked to a lot of my teenage clients about the idea of like, okay, so you were in ninth grade, right? And the equivalent to that is like lifting a five pound weight. So you were doing a bicep curl with a five pound weight every day for most of ninth grade. And then the pandemic hit and you basically put the weight down. And you didn't have to work the like going to school muscle for in a normal way for a year and a half. So now what's happened is you've gone back to school is you have to pick up the weight, but it's not five pounds anymore. It's a 10 pound weight. So not only are you out of practice, but what you're doing is actually harder. And because you're out of practice, it's going to be so uncomfortable initially, right? If you stick with it, and you keep lifting the weight, that muscle is going to come back, right? You're going to remember how to study. You're going to learn new study skills now that you're in AP classes, or you are going to find your group of people and it's going to be okay. And, you know, or if you're really overwhelmed socially, like your body may sort of like readapt to like, wow, this is overly stimulating for me, but it's just not always going to feel as bad as it does or as hard as it does in this moment. You're just like in the growing pain phase of change. Mm-hmm. Can you do, I know Caroline, that was an awesome Ted talk. Can I go, can I record that again? Cause I'd like to send that directly to my daughter this morning. Guys, I actually, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking next week we should do one specifically for the teens and just talk to the teens about it. I think that that would be, you know, Mm. I think, I think we need to record one for the teens that parents can share with their teens. Cause I think that it's so, again, because of pandemic flux syndrome and because of the role that parents play in teenagers' lives, it might be easier for them to hear it from us. Like there's already so much tension between adults and kids right now. Let's just give them a podcast and, and let, and we can say it to them. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, Yeah. No, no, I think you're right. And as a parent, I mean, of a, of a, like a, of a teenager who actually is a really lovely human. And I say that with love actually is a human and lovely. Um, but I mean, I think as parents too, you know, we have to watch that we don't join them in that freak out about their grades or, or their study habits or their, the fact their room looks like a landfill or, you know, whatever it is, right. That's going on. Like as a parent, we're going through pandemic flex too. And so we can, we can very easily look at that. And all of a sudden our anxiety will spike with them or at them. Right. And so we have to be a little bit careful about that because the teens are, are like super kind of receptors right now. And as they should be just developmentally, they should be, but even more so right now because of what's happening in the world. And I, I think, you know, we're not, teenagers don't come home and tell you everything about school or about their friend group or about those things. And, you know, they're dealing with big things and, you know, there, there is more um, anxiety and depression in their friend groups right now because of this, but because of, you know, the stressors in the world. 
there's more social pressure around who's vaccinated, who's not vaccinated. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just lots of things that as parents, they may or may not tell us, but we need to kind of just keep in mind, there's a lot more than they're sharing probably going on in their world. And I also think that as parents, especially if you're a parent with privilege and you are trying to teach your child to not be privileged, right? It is really easy to dismiss what your kid is experiencing as, you know, minimal. So if your kid comes home and is like, oh my gosh, this girl gave me a look and, you know, and I don't have the right shoes to wear to school or something like that. And you are a parent trying to teach your kid not to be privileged. You're, you want to say to them, get over it. Like big deal. Who cares? There's so many other things to worry about in this world, but those little things are the stuff of life for teenagers. That is what their lives are made of. And so when we come and say to them, that's no big deal. You just need to get over it. Or like, or we even imply that what they're worrying about is not important. We are dismissing them as human beings. That does not mean that your kid is entitled or rude or anything. It means that your kid is a kid and is experiencing little things as important because they are to teenagers. Or sociopathic. That is the other thing they may not be. Just saying. (laughs) I I think, yes. I mean, all those things. And I think, too, to add to that, when we discount like that, are we kind of like, you know, don't worry about that grade or don't worry about that. Like we're not, again, we're fixing it, not thinking we're fixing it. We think we're actually helping by saying, oh, that doesn't, you know, even if we're like this really lovely open parent, it doesn't matter to me. You know, it's mm-hmm. really okay. That's awesome. But it matters to them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it, and it should, right? Like mm-hmm. it should, because that is their job. It is their job to kind of see the world and go into the world and observe way too much about the world and then use that information to figure out who they want to be. That is their job right now. So when they are sharing really kind of ridiculous information with you, it's actually their way of saying, who am I? Who do I want to be? And that is important even while there are really hard things happening in this world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in that Amy Cuddy and Brene Brown podcast. I don't, the episode yeah. you sent that I was listening to that I don't know what it's called, but we can attach it, right? It's like, we don't have to like compare, right? Like we can know that other people in the world are going through really, really horrible things. And my current emotional experience gets to be hard for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. It doesn't mean that I don't care about the racial issues in our country or what's going on in Afghanistan or, you know, all these terrible things that are happening in the world. Like, yes, those are still really terrible things. And what's happening to me right now feels really bad. Mm -hmm. And just so you know, if you are a parent, if you are trying to teach your kid to recognize their privilege, you can hear their feelings and also teach, right? It's the, and that's important. It's not, you can't be upset about the shoes. It's you can be upset about the shoes and let's think about this more broadly. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just because your kid's upset about the shoes and you think it's stupid, like you can use that as a teach, you can hear it and use that as a teaching moment, but you have to hear it first. Yeah. Kids are smart. Teens are really smart. They get things, they get things in a way that's, you know, I mean, I think the thing we also forget is they worry about big things too. Like, 
Mm-hmm. The climate issue is something that our teenagers deal with on a daily daily basis. They talk about that. They they think about mm-hmm. these things. And so I think, again, there's just a lot going on for them. There's a lot going on in their heads that we don't think about and, and we don't always hear about. And what we get is the behavior or the reaction. And so it's just about making sure that they know, you know, they're safe and we're here listening. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the pandemic... I cannot get the whack-a-mole out of my head. I think that's the best <laughs> explanation for living in a family with a teenager right now, honestly. Well, it's because of the developmental, just to recap, it's the developmental mm-hmm. stage of teenagers and mixed with this idea that parents and adults are at times feeling blunted emotions, which is the exact opposite of a spike in anxiety, which is the exact opposite mm-hmm. of a spike in depression, right? Which is, <laughs> and the way we're solving it all is to change something drastically about our life, which is just controlling right. everybody else around us, right? Yeah. So of course it's whack-a-mole and it doesn't mean that anybody is doing anything wrong or anything is wrong with anybody. It just is right now. And we just need to know that. Yeah. And if you can give your teen a sense of control over something, that'll probably help. Yep. It helps a lot, right? Like give them some sense of control so they don't feel like I'm just like getting sucked down the lazy river. I don't know why that is what comes to my mind. <laughs> I was like, no, oh, whack-a-mole and lazy river. Where are we today? <laughs> um, I think the other thing that I would also remind parents is, you know, teens do not need immediate response from you. So if things get very heightened, if there's a strong reactions happening in your home, you don't need to address them immediately. It's really okay to walk away. It's really okay to get your kid to walk away until that peak of anxiety or, or that peak of depression that you're feeling kind of passes because like we talked about, it does pass. These are like waves. The pandemic flux is just that it's flux, right? So it's like being hit with a wave at the beach. It just kind of washes over you and it passes. So trying to make big decisions, trying to Cause I have a tendency to want to ground you for the rest of your life or take your car away forever. Or, you know, you can't celebrate Christmas this year or whatever, right? I'm going to take your birthday away. So that's my first reaction, right? I'm going to shut your world down. And so I think as a parent, I have to remember with a teen that, okay, you're just, you're spiking. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to wait till the look in your eye, you know, you look like a normal human again, and then I'll address whatever is concerning. Yep. So you all, I think we've highlighted why this is super hard. I think we are going to come out with a podcast for your teenagers in the next few weeks. And I think also we'll come out with a really clear way of helping yourself and your kid manage the pandemic flux. We've come up with some good ideas, but I think we're going to give you a really organized move. So if you liked this, follow our podcast rate it on Apple and you can learn more about us at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. If you need anything, call us or go to our website. We're we're here for you guys. Yeah. Okay. Thanks y'all. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Bye.